0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. ...wide open and it seemed comfortable, and I look forward to seeing all of your faces sitting in the pews, and, and I'm just so thankful that three years in a row I'm able to come to your church. Um, somehow you still trust me, and I am and thankful for that. When, uh, when your pastor said that we matured into better preachers, uh, I was worried that he was going to stop as, after just the word mature because I'm like, I don't think I really have matured too much. But, but preacher, I, I think I'm doing a better job, and I like to think that I'm, I'm getting better as I get a little bit older. But I, uh, I am I'm thankful for every opportunity that I have to be able to speak and, and to be a part of, of services like this. Um, I, do, I do love your pastor. I, I've said it every time I come here. I, I do really admire him and look to him. And, uh, and I, I watch your, your church distance. I know social media uh, allows us to do that. And, uh, and so I'm thankful that, that you guys are on social media and that you guys um, have many different ways for me to connect with you from Ottawa. And uh, I'm thankful to see what God is doing. And, and the building is just a part of what God is doing. We, we like to think that, oh, a building means something. And it's good. It is a something. But the truth is God is doing something greater than a building. God is into building people. He is into changing hearts and changing lives. And although you have a nice building, it can't stay at just a nice building. It needs to get dirty with people. It needs to have the, the, the mess of people's lives in this place so that God can bring about new people and change hearts and change lives. And so never be satisfied just a new building I know your pastor is not satisfied with just a new building but but be excited about what God wants to do with this building because he's going to change some lives and you get to be a part of that that experience with him and so uh, last time I was here um, I had three kids Um, I still have three but now I have four Um, I, I I had three daughters and uh from the first kid to the third kid, I had prayed for God to give me a son, and uh, he chose to ignore me like he did Bartimaeus. I called out and cried out and says, God, um, could you please give me a son? I need a son. And there are people who spoke into my life and say, I could see you with all girls, and I would rebuke them and tell them to get away, but get behind me, Satan, and and uh and my mom didn't like I said that to her, but still, and so um I I, I finally I finally had a boy, and, uh, and so I'm really excited. Um, I remember when I first found out, um, it, was, it was great news, and I'm like, I knew we could can, we can have a son. I knew God loved me, and, and uh, it was an amazing moment. And, uh, and then there was like a week before we had our baby, we had to go for an extra ultrasound because my wife was overdue like she was for every other kid we had. And um, there was this moment of panic that set in. That what if the first ultrasound was wrong? And I sat there for a moment, I began to sweat a little bit, that's also because I'm a little bit overweight, and so uh, I was just panicking, and, and I said to my wife, I'm like, what if it's another girl? She's like, well, we'll be happy. I'm like, are you sure? I don't know about that. And, 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 and the, I'm just being honest, the ultrasound technician was like, yeah, your, your boy is healthy. I'm like, could you say that again? And she's like, your boy is healthy. I'm like, yes, Lord. So uh, we rejoice, uh, he is our favorite child, and... Um, it's not, it's not it's sort of true. But, um, but today is actually my, my youngest daughter's birthday. Um, she turned four today. She's our blonde bomber. She, um, she's our only blonde haired, blue eyed kid. And uh, you do not want to meet her in a dark alley at night. Um, she is a little bit on the crazy side. Uh, I love Addison, but I'm scared of her at times. Um, she was hitting her other sister one time. And I said, Addison, stop hitting your sister. I'm not even joking, I'm not exaggerating. She turns to me. She says, You're next. And the door locked, I'm just being honest, and so um, so my, my kids are, are getting bigger, uh, I, I, my, my daughter Olivia is uh, turning 9 in September, my daughter Ava is turning uh, seven, seven, six, six, uh, seven, seven. 7, 7. I can't remember how old they are anymore, uh, but uh, they're all getting older. That's what happens every year, and so I'm excited. God's been so good to us, and, and you'll hear a bit about my journey again. I, I like to share my story because I like being real with what God's doing in my life, and I, and I like to believe that our stories can encourage people. Our stories can strengthen people, and uh, when, I, when I share my stories about my journey and where God is bringing me, where he's brought me from, I don't say them um, to make people feel bad or feel sorry for me. I don't do it to guilt anybody uh, into to helping me. I I share it because it's a part of my journey, and we should embrace every part of our journey, even the difficult moments, and realize the difficult moments make us better, make us stronger, and we are able to rejoice when we, when we overcome those difficult moments. And so you'll hear me share a bit uh, with, with some honest um, input as to what God has done in my life, and, and so uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you're here this morning. Can you open up your Bibles this morning to the book of John, John chapter 6? And uh, this is going to be one of the most encouraging um, uh, um, pieces of scripture to read. Right. On the get-go here, and uh, and I'm excited to share it. But but just trust me as I read this, we are going somewhere with with this message um, today. And I'm gonna be reading from John chapter six, verse fifty-three to fifty-eight, and we'll recap the story in just a few moments. We'll recap what what kind of has taken place over the last little bit in pieces of scripture here. But starting in verse fifty-three, going till verse fifty-eight, says this: Jesus said to them, "Very true, truly I tell you." Verse 58 says, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Let's just pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your word and the truth that it speaks. God, I, I believe with my heart that we are not after more information this morning. But God, we are after application for our hearts. God, information is available to us at any moment on our devices at any moment we have information that we need but God application from your word is what we need today because we know that what infiltrates our heart with your word come out in how we live and how we respond to our everyday life life so God I thank you I love you I need you now more than I ever have in your name I pray amen I've entitled this message this morning keep going I believe that there is some encouragement that is needed for us as believers and, and I truly do believe that there is this, this need for us to understand who God is and that God does not change. Because when we, when, we, when we can understand who God is and believe that he does not change, during those difficult moments we will rely on who he is because who he is does not change. But we need to keep going. I was, I'll tell more about this in a few moments, but I was running in a mar- half marathon just recently, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was a couple of weeks, I know, because I can now walk properly. If it was just a few days after, I would have been more uh, like this, and it was not very good. I, I, I did one of those things where you run a half marathon and don't Oh, that I've done this half marathon. And I could be honest with you, I don't really know why I do it. I, I don't really know why I, I run this marathon um, but I do it anyways, I've got my kids involved, they run the, the kids one marathon right before mine, and, and they do a great job, and they, this year they told me, come on dad, you can do it this year, don't, like dad, really so they appreciate it, and so they're, they're encouragers at heart, and so um, I, I ran this half marathon again, and I thought to myself, I'm going to do better, and just like the first year, there was, no, this time I wasn't as surprised by it, but first year i ran there was this moment where as i was running people were cheering me on not just yay runners they were actually calling me by name and i was amazed at this because i was like am i really that famous in ottawa that everybody that i've never met knows who i am this is incredible i know you're thinking well you're full of yourself maybe but but i was i was running to like come on adam Keep going, keep going. Even when the 73-year-old grandmother passed me when I was walking, they were like, come on, Adam, you can keep doing it. And, and my, my aunt, she said to me, she goes, hey, did you know that your 63-year-old aunt herself um, was faster than you? I'm like, everybody's 63-year-old aunt was faster than me. But, but she, was, she was making fun of me. But all people were like, come on, Adam, you can do it. And I'm like, I'm feeling really good about myself. And then, partway through the race, at like kilometer fifteen, when I was at the drink table just getting refreshments, and I should—everybody was still running. I'm just hey, can I have another one? I'll have a third, please. This is great. And and I was just like playing basketball with one of the cups in the garbage can. It's all true story. And I'm like, ah. That's how they know who I am. It's on my shirt. Now I know they're checking me out. This is incredible. And so it was just this moment of encouragement. But I can to tell you, there were so many moments where I wanted to just stop running. There was moments where I thought, I wonder if there was a car that I can just hitch a ride closer to the finish line, walk the rest of the way, and everybody would be amazed by my time. That didn't happen. I wonder if I could blend into the crowd and just kind of stop doing what I'm doing because I have no idea. Like, I wrote three sermons during that entire five-hour half marathon. It was, it wasn't five, but close. And, and, and I remember writing all these different thoughts, but one thing that coming back to me was, why did you do this? Like, I was excited at first, but I'm partway through. I'm like, what in the world were you thinking? Like, are you just trying to Really, still an, an athlete and not just a washed-up athlete. And I'm like, no, it's not it. Is. And I'm just like, why were you running? But, but every part of me wants to quit, but I'm like, I can't quit. So even if I was walking, I was going to keep going. Oh, I want to talk to you this morning. I, I know it's a, a very, you know, huge story compared to what we just read about eat my flesh and drink my blood. But, but I promise you I'm going somewhere. There's this story of Jesus... And if you read chapter 6 from the beginning, we know there's some pretty incredible miracles that take place right before this moment that we've just read about. There's this moment where where Jesus and his disciples are talking to a large number of people, and all of a sudden his disciples say, Hey, Jesus, just so you know, um, maybe we should get going because everybody's hungry and we need to get some food and we don't have food to give them. And we, we... that Jesus takes some bread and he takes some fish and he feeds about 5,000 plus people from just a little bit amounts of food and there was even some left over because Jesus is awesome and he was able to do that. And now there's this excitement about Jesus. There's this this excitement in the crowd and the followers are like, we like this guy. He just fed all of us with nothing. This is incredible. We want more from him. And then we know that Jesus his disciples back across the, the water and he goes off to a mountain to pray by himself and there's the crowd who was in love with him there was his disciples going that direction and he's there on this mountain and at the time where he was finished doing what he was doing where he was seeking his father he decides I'm going to go join my disciples but never left with a boat And this is that other miracle that we know about, that we've talked about on many occasions where Jesus begins to walk on water. It says that while his disciples were were struggling because of the water and the winds and the waves, Jesus shows up on the scene walking on water. I don't know if you've ever tried it. I've only been successful to walk puddles, and that's as cool as I get when it comes to walking on water. I did, although have some students who convinced me that they could walk on water. All you have to do is run at a very incredibly fast pace on an angle, and you could do it for at least four steps. They lied. They sank, okay? But there's this incredible moment of of Jesus walking on water and says, do not be afraid. It's me. And Peter says, if it's you, can you tell me to come to you? And I love that part of the story. It's an encouragement. It's a whole Sometimes I wonder if Peter thought he would actually do it. And he says, come. But never in there is there a moment where Jesus says, yes, come walk on water. He just says, okay, come to me. And so I wonder when Peter first stepped out, if he actually expected his foot to stay on top of the water. Sometimes God will call you to do things and you're not sure how it's supposed to work. And you think it's going to go this way. And God does it in a completely different way. And that's how awesome God is. He, he goes beyond our expectations. As I said, we think that we've just built a new building, but God has something greater in store. And Peter gets out, and there was a moment of, I can't believe I'm doing this there. Jesus, I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh my goodness, look at the waves, look at the wind. And fear crept in, and fear stopped. Jesus reached out and grabbed a hold of him, got him in the boat, and they were at the shore, and they were good. And now the crowd on the other side realizes that Jesus and the disciples have gone, and they said, hey... That guy who produced an incredible miracle, we need to go back and find him. And so they go back across the other side as well. And they are now looking for Jesus and they find him. And now we find this moment where they are really excited that Jesus is here. And they have an opportunity to encounter him again. And I love the conversation that takes place. They say, like, when did you get here? And Jesus is not the kind of person who was going to sugarcoat things. God is not a God who will sugarcoat things. He will call things as they are. remember in the Old Testament where Abraham wanted this kid, and he says, look, you and your wife are going to have a kid, and his wife laughs, and he goes, why did you laugh? And she's like, I didn't. He goes, yes, you did. And that was the end of the story. It was an incredible moment in Scripture where God just calls out the truth. He goes, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. All right. And we like to think that we can kind of... Fool God into thinking that everything's good or everything's all right, and God says, No, it's not. Let's not play the game here. Let's be honest with what's really going on. But in this moment, they said, When did you get here? We were looking for you. And Jesus looks back at them, He's like, You weren't actually looking for me. You weren't actually looking for me, but you actually just want things from me. Because of what I did with the bread, because I did with the fish, you are finding me so you can have something else from me. You've already eaten the bread I provided, so what you want is more. And Jesus is getting to something. He's trying to get to the point that, look, if you just keep having bread, it's always going to be something you want more of. But if you can take hold of me, you're not going to be hungry the way you are now. I don't think Jesus hated doing miracles. I actually think he liked doing miracles. But oftentimes he'd say, hey, don't tell anybody about this. It's not yet, not the time yet. Don't say anything. God doesn't dislike doing miracles either. He loves to do miracles. But in everything, God's intention, as with Jesus' in Scripture, we see that it was always for people to be drawn to him, not his blessings. I need you to understand that God's plan when it comes to miracles and blessings isn't so you can seek miracles and blessings, but it's so you can seek his presence. It's always been about his presence. It will always be about his presence. He desires for you to go after him, not the things that he can offer Do we benefit from God? 100%. Do we receive things from God? Absolutely. Is it bad for us to ask for things from God? No, it's not. But in the end, all of our direction shall be after his presence, after his heart, going after who he is. I heard a quote from Tommy Tenney when I was was younger, and, and, and he said that God will always offer his hand before he offers his face. And the question is, will you just accept the hand without going after his face? I love the story of of Moses when he's leading the people of Israel. And God says, here, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to go and enjoy the promised land that I'm giving you. Just go and take it. It's amazing. And Moses stops and asks this question. I think sometimes I would say that I'm not... As good as Moses would be where I wouldn't ask this question but he says God let me ask you a question is your presence going with us And he says no it's not He goes I need it to come with us because if your presence is not going with us actually he says it is coming with me with you and he says okay because if your presence does not go with us do not send us up from here He said because without your presence we are nothing We have no identity. How will we be looking any different than anybody else? Your presence is what separates us from everybody else on the face of this earth. He was offered his hand. He was offered the promised land of all the things that would be good, all the things that would be right. And it was a God thing. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a God thing. It was being offered to him. But God will offer good things. But his hope and his intention is always that you'll go after his face. Because he knows it's in his presence that your life is changed. It's in your presence that things happen. It's in his presence that God can do miracles like never before. We are not called to be spectators of who God is, but we're called to have intimacy with him. I know we don't like to admit it, but God is not our genie in a bottle. That if we ask nice, or it's now very serious, God will have to answer us. He'll have no choice to do this or that, but... But we need to understand that God's intention and his will has not changed. He desires intimacy with us. For us to have intimacy with him. But we have often found intimacy with the things of God rather than God himself. Please hear me. I'm not saying that things from God are bad. The things God blesses you with and gives you are to be enjoyed. Are to to find excitement in and fun in. But we are never to make that our God. Because a new building cannot please you the way God can. It might look good, but in the end, in about a month or two, you'll say, well, we should have done this. Or what if we added this? Or now we're too big, we've got to do something else. But if God is the centerpiece at all times, it doesn't matter what our building look like, looks like, it doesn't matter what kind of car we drive, what kind of house we live in, what matters is that he is the center of our life, and he fills our every need. He gives us joy, he gives us peace, he gives us protection, and that's all right for me. And up until this point, there's this moment of excitement, I know, from the disciples because they're benefiting from the attention as well. If this were a presidential race or a prime minister of Canada race or or, or the election that we just had in Ontario, the party's excited because their candidate is doing a great job right now. This is great. Jesus has just fed 5000 people. That was great publicity for us. He is going to be the next king for sure. This is going to go just as planned. And the disciples witness him walk on water. This is incredible. Like this guy can do everything. He can cut taxes like never before. This is amazing. The gas will go down another 10 cents. I cannot believe it. Please Lord. Like he's walking on water, he's feeding people with just a little bits of food. This guy is incredible. He is who he says he is. I cannot believe this. And they're endorsing his message. And then everything changes in a moment. I can just see the disciples there as the crowds are coming around Jesus, and they're like, "This is our guy. This is our candidate. This is our guy. He is going to change the world. It's going to be amazing." Listen to him speak. And Jesus begins to speak. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Stop for a moment. This is somewhat okay with us right now because we've read Scripture and we understand what's taking place. But for a moment, allow yourself to be exposed to this piece of Scripture for the very first time that you are one of the disciples. That you are one of the followers. And this man, who you've seen perform some miracles, stands up and says, Hey, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, only then can you have eternal life. What did he just say? Like, think about the disciples. This is our candidate. Listen to him speak. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> what? Jesus, let, hold up, Jesus. Let's, let's just stop for a moment. Can you um, change the wording of that? If you don't eat my flesh and you don't drink my blood, you're not going to have life. Was that better, Peter? Yeah, sure. Do what you want to do. No problem. And it's just this crazy moment of, Jesus, you've ruined your reputation. You've ruined what you had going. Everything was going perfect. And then all of a sudden you ask us to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Have you lost it? Did the salt water get to you? What in the world happened? But Jesus was not making any mistake in the situation, but he was being very serious. Now please understand, when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he wasn't actually talking about gnawing on his arm. Or actually drinking his blood, but it was about identifying with what would take place on the cross, that we would partake in that, that say he died in my place. I, I, I put myself with him, I, I identify myself with him, that what he did, that the body that was broken was for me, that's a part of my life. I was deserving of that, but he took it, so I identify with him. So we take the remembrance cup and we we, we eat the bread and we we say, God, we do this in remembrance of you. Because we remember the sacrifice that was made for you and for us. That we have the freedom that we have because of this and every piece of scripture. That we have an opportunity to To respond and to receive what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us. But all of a sudden, the people are kind of wondering what in the world is going on. At first, some of them said, before he got very specific, they said, but isn't he just Joseph and Mary's son? Like, how did he come from heaven? Like, what is he even talking about? And then he goes further to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Is this guy for real? Like, what is really happening here? But you got to understand something with God is God is not one for people to play it safe. That God actually draws a line in the sand. He says, pick a side. That there is actually no room for lukewarm. We see it in scripture. We we like to try and hide it or deny it, but the reality is Revelation 3, 15 and 16 says, I know your deeds that you are neither hot, uh, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He is not one for hot or cold. He would uh, for, for lukewarm. He would rather you be cold, because at least when you are cold, you are aware of what you need. But if you are lukewarm, you're content. And you blend in to either side. So he says, pick. And so Jesus lays, draws his line in the sand. He says, okay, you want me? You were looking for me? You say you want more than just what I can offer? Well, here's the deal. If you want me, you have to have all of me. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, the crowds are like, well, Jesus, this is a little too difficult. There's no way. And one of the most disappointing moments of Scripture, one of the saddest moments of Scripture, that in my opinion, I know there's some other ones that we might see, and and there's some moments where there's sadness and we feel bad for people, but one of the saddest points of Scripture is right here in John chapter 6, where a few of them actually said this, on hearing it, many of his disciples Who can accept it? From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Because of what he asked being too difficult. I know we like to think to ourselves that's not me, it's not my story. I'm not that kind of person, that whatever God asks me to do, I'm all in. Until he asks you to do something really difficult. Like we look all through scripture. The guys who, who were discouraged. The guys who were frustrated at times and who still follow through. God asked them to do some pretty intense things. Think about Abraham. That he was asked to bring his son to sacrifice on a hill. He waited forever for him. That would be like me right now. Where God would say, Adam, take Nixon. I'm like, oh no, you're not doing that right now. Trust me, no, in this situation, I'm not sure I'm as good as Abraham. Because it's difficult. We don't like those kind of things. And sometimes the difficulties in Christ are what what causes us to run away from him at times where he says, no, the difficulties with me, the difficult moments are the moments you should run to me and find me and find my comfort and find my peace and find my joy. But it says that many of the disciples, not his immediate disciples, but the other followers that that he had gained traction with, they began to leave and not follow him anymore. The road to eternal life is not an easy life, but it is incredible. I need you to understand that this morning, that the road to eternal life is not easy, but it is incredible. I might have said this before at this church, but if anyone has ever told you that if you accept Jesus, life will be perfect, they lied to you. If they've ever told you you that, that if you follow Jesus or accept Jesus into your heart and life is going to be easy, they've lied to you. Because Jesus himself said, in this life you will have tough times. You will face difficult moments. You will face challenges. You will face frustrations. It also ends it with this, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. And so even though you will face tough times and go through difficult moments and have frustrations, fear not for I have overcome the world. Did you know that fear is an honest response from all of us? It's okay to be afraid at times. It's okay to have fear, but it's not okay to live in fear. There's a difference because living in fear will cause you to miss out on some incredible moments. Living in fear and having fear are two different things. You can be afraid of public speaking, but if God calls you up to a platform to share his word and to preach his truth, you are not to live in fear, but trust him that he will get you through that moment because he has an opportunity for you to see lives changed. To share your faith with somebody, it's not easy. One of the jobs that I have been doing recently, I just, I just quit. Actually, I, you know I work for Missions Canada, and I'm, I'm, I'm still in the fund raising part and and it's not always fun, but I'm in the fundraising part. I'm close to getting more than what I have. I have three days a week right now. And so I was working at the source. It's a store in the mall. Um, never thought I had a great time. I was there for about three months. And uh I now, I now work with a, with a charity group called um, Their Opportunity for 20 hours a week. And Their Opportunity helps put kids who are um, from low-income families or at-risk youth into um, sports and recreational activities. It's a pretty awesome opportunity. I get to work from home and, uh, and be around more. It's pretty awesome. But working at the source, I, had, I was in a, in a world of people that do not believe what I believe. They really don't believe what I believe. And there were moments of, okay, how am I going to navigate through this? Because I understand that I got to be sensitive when it comes to these people, but I'm also a Christian who believes that God can change lives, and so I'm not going to hold back. And there was this one night where God put me on a shift with this one gentleman who did not believe what I believed, and he knew I was a Christian. He heard that I was a pastor at one time, and this is how it always went. Every conversation about me being a pastor at the source went like this Hey, so what'd you do before you came to the source? Oh, I was a pastor. Huh, that's a big jump. I'm like, yeah, thanks, awesome. And I have to go through it. Well, I still sort of do it. I travel and speak. Whenever John brings me to his church, I get to go speak somewhere. It's pretty amazing. But so it got around that I was a pastor and I had four kids. So they called me four kids. And, uh, and so this guy says, hey, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. He says, um, do you think people are born good or they're born bad? And I'm like, well, this is going to be a fun conversation. I began to talk and I began to share my belief, and I believe that we're all born to sin. We're not necessarily bad people, but we're born to sin. But that's why God sent his son to die on a cross so that we can be made good and we can be made whole and we can live a life with him forever. And I started to share all these things, and I'm not even, I got to a point where at the sermon I would have had him bow his head, close his eyes, and ask anybody to lift their hand up if they wanted to receive Jesus. It was only him and I, so it would have been only one person, it would have been really awkward. But there was this moment of, wow, I can't believe I have this opportunity. But before the conversation ever started, there was a moment of, God, I can't really preach here, can I? And fear decides to creep in and say, you can't, you can't share that in this place. You can't do that. And although fear is a natural response and it's real, we're not to live in fear because if I lived in fear, I would have missed out on a moment to share who Jesus was with this young man. And I have this other guy who calls me pastor, and he says I'm one of his adopted sons. He's from Toronto. He's like 20-something years old and and does not believe what I believe and uses every colorful language you could ever imagine. And he tells me all the weirdest stories. Like he tells me when he does stupid things, like he's like, hey, I got really uh, messed up this weekend. I can't wait to tell you at work. I'm like, you can't wait to tell me when we get to work? This is weird. He goes, it's a long story. I got really high. It's going to be cool. I'm like, how is this going to be a cool story right now? I'm like, okay, I'll see you at work. And he's like, okay. So I was at this party. I'm like, really? You're actually going to tell me all about this? And you know what I noticed? He was not afraid to share his stories with me. So why would I ever be afraid to share my stories with him? Because I believe my stories have the power to change lives. His stories have the power to make me think, wow, you're kind of (laughs) crazy. I love him. I, I still talk with him even though I don't work there anymore. But fear will cause us to miss out on those moments that God wants us to have. So fear is natural, but we're not to live in fear. The road to eternal life is not easy, but it is incredible. And I want to kind of end with this moment here, kind of land the plane. It's something that kind of came to me. And we like to assume, we like to think, that the quote that we've heard numerous times, we've watched any kind of sports movies or sports motivational clips or whatever, um, even outside of sports, there's that one phrase people always say. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It says, quitting is not an option. That's great motivation. And we're like, we want to rally the troops. Guys, quitting is not an option. We're going to go do this. We're going to win the battle. We're going to win the Quitting. not an option. But I'm here to tell you today that quitting very much is an option. In every difficult season, in every difficult moment, every day, Situation, decision, quitting will always be an option for you. Right after the disciples who were following him, the other disciples and says, hey, are you also going to leave? Quitting was presented as an option for them. He says, are you also going to leave? When I ran that half marathon just a couple of weeks ago, I started off at a better pace. I didn't think I could um, run about four kilometers, um, four-minute kilometers. I couldn't do that this time, so I tried to do it about seven and a half, and then got a little faster. And I, I got past the last moment that I that I went to last year where I started walking, which was like kilometer one. And uh, and it was exciting. It was I felt good. I felt great. So good. But I started to walk, and... I could just feel my legs super. True story. Right near the end, but like two kilometers left. There's this video screen there, and and you can videotape stuff. A couple days before, my daughter actually videotaped herself saying, "Go, Daddy!" And so you actually see this on the screen because they see your number, so they know who it is, and it comes up. And I'm like, I gotta run this for her. And I ran past the screen and then stopped again, so she couldn't see me anymore. But but there were so many moments in that race where quitting was an option for me where I'm like I can't do this anymore like this is too difficult it's hot first of all I don't like the flavor of drink they're offering I really do not like this and what was that thing I just ate it was weird uncomfortable and why is the ground sticky I should just stop because it's ruining my shoes and there were, everything was offering me mo- moments to quit a way out of this race quitting is definitely an option and I think when we convince ourselves that quitting is not an option, when it actually becomes one, we're discouraged because like, I never thought I'd get to this point. But if we can understand that quitting is part of the process, that it happens to be presented to us, we're not, we don't hit it unexpectedly, but we can know that it's going to be there. But here's the thing about quitting. Even though it's, it's an option, it's optional. It's important to remember that part. That even though it is an option, it's just optional. That you don't have to select it. You don't have to choose it. I had this, I keep touching that thing with my foot. I had this, this idea of, of, of quitting is, is not an option and it being optional. And I, and I go into the scripture because I, I want to make sure that I'm somewhat being accurate here. And I, and I see Jesus present the option of quitting to the disciples. says, do you want to quit? Do you want to leave? And their response is Incredible. The response back to Jesus is, where else are we going to go? Because you have the words of life. Yeah, Jesus, what you said was crazy. What you said was very difficult to handle. But if we're just being honest right now, we're we're looking at things that face value, we have nowhere else to go because when nobody else wanted to invest in us as young, as young disciples, you did. And we've seen things that other people have not seen about you. And their experience told them that he is who he says he is. Because not any regular man could just walk on water. It's not some regular man who can multiply some food. It's not some regular man who could bring somebody's or put somebody's sickness to bed that they can bring them back to life. Not just anybody can do that, but somebody who has the words of life can, can do that. And he says, you know what? that the spokesperson of that group says, hey, Jesus, you can offer us the option to quit, but we're not taking it because we've seen how good you are, and there's nowhere else for us to go but your presence. We need you. Quitting look, comes in different forms. I won't go into this for very long because I'm getting ready to close, but quitting comes in very diff- many different forms. We quit when we quit our personal life with Jesus. God, it's just too hard to get up and read my Bible. It's just too hard to pray. I'll do it at night, but I'm also really tired at night because do you know what my day's like? I work. I have a tough job. Jesus, do you know anything about living a tough life? We quit. Sometimes we we quit the process that Jesus has us in. Or God says, "Hey, I want you to do this," and we think to ourselves, "It's just too difficult. I've tried. I've given it my best shot." but I just can't continue. But I know God's called me to do it, but it's just too difficult, so why continue? And we decide to give up and say, God, use me in another area of the church instead. I'm done. I know pastors in my life who quit too early. My youth pastor, when I was, when I was young, I went through about five different youth pastors in my, my years of high school. Because we were a small church, people just came in and went out, came in and went out to somewhere else. I remember one pastor leaving and he quit because because there was a moment of difficulty. He says, uh, God's told me that I should leave. And I love this man, I still see him and still talk to him, I love him. I remember about a week after, we went on this event with him, He was still not left at the time, and it was an incredible moment, God did some awesome things, and he, he went back and he was begging for his job back, but our lead pastor was like, I'm sorry, we can't just tell the church that you heard from God and you wanna come back, but that pastor quit too early. Sometimes we leave too early because it's difficult. Please hear me, that if it's difficult, That's when you need to press into him even more. He knows it's going to be difficult, but he doesn't call you according to your strength. He calls you according to his. So what he's calling you to, he will give you strength for. Trust him. Believe in him. We can't say, I surrender all except for the difficult moments. I'll I'll just hold on to them and walk away. Quitting is an option, but it is optional. Can I just get someone to come back and begin to play on the keyboard? We're going to respond in just a moment. I've told you that my my journey has been an interesting one. It's been fun. I've I've enjoyed the process of working with Missions Canada. and Fundraising, I I wish they would change the word fun out of that because it's not. And um, I I shared in the past just the moments of stepping out of my church, and, and that was pretty pretty incredible, and, and God's been amazing. And, and, last year, and I thought very much, and I, I started to look at my calendar from last year, and I'm like, wow, God, you were pretty amazing. He gave me quite a bit of opportunities. And I'm stepping into a season right now where uh, after this, I'm, I'm headed back home for a, few, for a couple weeks, and then I'm off to Newfoundland. And then I, I come right back from Newfoundland. I got off a plane in Toronto, and I go right to Brayside, and I spend family camp at Brayside for a weekend. And I, I go back home for a week and then I'm at another family camp in Gilmore, Ontario. And then from Gilmore, Ontario uh, I'm speaking at my home church and they're going to kind of do a commissioning service for me as a missionary and then after that I'm, I'm headed to Saskatchewan again. I've been there about 80 times in the last like few years and I'm excited because God opened up that door again for me. And then I'm speaking at another camp and then I'm coming to Guelph in September to speak at, a, at an event and, and God's just opening up all these doors. And I'm excited and I'm thankful and it's amazing God is so good that's what you see on the outside. i got to be honest with you, the inside has not been so pretty at times. My wife and I just bought a house and we bought it last April and we just moved in in March and so we had some deadlines for ourselves financially and for some jobs and, and nothing was really happening, the fundraising wasn't going as planned and I was kind of discouraged and my wife was discouraged and we'd pray we'd pray we'd pray and we'd pray and it felt like God wasn't answering. And then God would answer something in scripture. We'd read it and we're like, yes, that's, that's a word for us. We're going to hold on to that. And then nothing happens. We're like, hey, God, what happened to your word? This is crazy. Like, God, seriously, is this really what's happening now? And I'd go preach places and I'm like, we're just trusting God. We love him. It's so amazing. He's so good. But on the inside, I'm like, God, can you even hear me? And one day. I drive my kids to school like I did every day. I took the long way back. I went past where our house was going to be, seeing how the building was going. I'm sure they got annoyed of us driving every single day, looking at nothing. And we have this road called Tenth Line. Tenth Line goes this way, and then we have another main road just over here. But we lived on this side before, and now we're living on this side over here. And so I, I came around, and I was past their house, and I'm coming up to Tenth Line. I began to pray in my car because I was discouraged and I was frustrated and I was, I was down. And here's what I began to pray. I'm just being honest with you today. Hey God, I feel like you don't love me. Hey God, I feel like you don't care about me. Hey God, I feel that you don't listen to my prayers. Hey God, I feel like you don't answer prayers. I began to go on a list of of where I think God does not really come through on his end. Hey, God, I feel like you've forgotten about my family. Hey, God, I feel like you're not actually a provider. I'm at the lights. The light turns green, and there's a moment where my heart shifts. And I feel like it's this moment in Scripture where he goes to the disciples, he's like, do you want to quit too? And quitting was an option. Like, there was moments where I'm like, is this even worth it? Great, I get to preach, but is it really worth all this frustration and disappointment and, and sadness and arguing? And is, is this really worth it? My wife, I'm not even kidding, at one point she's like, I was actually trying to figure out, are there other religions that make more sense? I know, it's crazy. That's what the point we were at. And I crossed over and in that moment, my heart changes. And I went from saying, God, I feel, and I started to change my statement to God, I know that you are good. God, I know that you love me. God, I know that you are a provider. God, I know that you care for my family. God, I know that you hear every prayer that you speak to your God. I know, and I began to say what I know about him. You see, feelings will mess with your head. Feelings will tell you, hey, you're not going to get through this. God doesn't care. God doesn't know about you. He doesn't hear. He doesn't listen. Your feelings will tell you what the outside world is trying to say. It's all going to mess up. But if you trust what you know and what you know is God is a provider and it does not change. Scripture tells us that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Even though our circumstances change, even though frustration level changes, our God we see. He can walk without worry. He can walk without panic. He is in control in the waves. He is not afraid. And so with your life in his hands, he is still not afraid. And he says, just trust me. I will not change. I have not changed. i called you to this and I will provide you for this. Rely on me. Don't search my hand but search my face. It's my face." carry you through this I don't know where you're at today I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what your life has been like, I don't know what God has called you to and maybe you're frustrated, beat down and you just want to quit and give up please hear me, God is still in control of your life if you are trusting him, keep trusting him if you want to give up, keep trusting him push it's the it's available to you here's one of the things that we're gonna end with today, it's one of the things that I think has gotten me through this and it's the moments where we get to celebrate. I need to understand, celebrate the small moments. Celebrate them. When I come back here, now this is the third year, next year's gonna be four, and so I I come here and I'm like, I celebrate whenever I come here because it's a third year that God has allowed me to do this very thing. And I'm excited When I ran that half marathon, I thought, I wanna quit, I wanna quit. And I passed the garbage can that I played basketball on while walking the year before. I'm like, I'm doing better than I was last year. And even though you think you're struggling, go back over your last year and realize, I'm doing better than I was last year. We see in scripture all these moments where God does an incredible and they set up these monuments, these pillars. I'm like, we wanna remember what God did here. You need to be able to set up those moments personal life and say on June 21st or June 10th or June whatever of this year God did this and we set up a monument say I will remember how good God was because there's gonna come a moment where I'm wondering is he still out there and all you got to do is look back and say oh yeah I remember he's still good he's still faithful he's still gonna provide the God we serve he does not change and I asked this morning if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a brief moment. We're gonna respond. I know we're, we're almost out of time, but, but I know we can make exception for God's presence. I have to end with this all the time because I, I never wanna miss a moment. But if you're in this place and you have never said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus, and it's very easy to understand and really what it is, is, is that we are all born into sin it's not because you're a bad person or your family's a bad family it's because we were born into sin. Scripture says how, that from one man sin entered the world but there was another man who came into this world who was willing to take our place on the cross and he takes away the sin of the world and the only way to eternity with the Father in heaven is through his Son, Jesus Christ. That if you believe that he lived that you believe that he died. Scripture says that we can be saved, that we believe it in our hearts and confess it with our lips, we are saved. It's very simple. So this morning, what I'd love to ask you is this, if you're in this place and you've never made that commitment to Jesus, but today you would say, I need Jesus in my life to take away my sins, I want my life to be fresh, to be new, and I want to spend eternity with him in heaven. If that's you in this place, would you just lift your hand up high enough so I could see it? Thank you so much. Anybody else in this place? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can put it back down. I'll wait about three more seconds for the most incredible decision you will ever make in this life. Awesome. Thank you so much for your honesty this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. The first one is this. I know this is hard to admit sometimes, and it's difficult, and we don't like to be put on the spot. But if you're in this place today, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. But if you're in this place, and um, this message resonates with you because in your heart, you're frustrated and discouraged, and quitting has become an option for you when you've, you've actually considered it you've thought to yourself, maybe maybe it's not worth all the effort. I'm tired of pretending. But you heard this message today and you said, okay, I don't want to choose that option. If that's you, if that, that, that resounds in your heart this morning, that, that you would yourself in that that category today what I'd love for you to do is just make your way out of your seat this morning we are not going to do any kind of excitement right now but just find your way out of your seat and I want you to just find a moment at this altar where God can begin to pour how awesome he is we'll only wait a few moments before we keep going with the service but don't miss an opportunity say God I need you now more than I ever have quitting has become an option don't want it to be my option In this church, in this building, you can begin to call on the God who, who's not only saved you, but calls you to greater things, calls you to a new life, calls you to greater, the greater moments in your life. And He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten what He's called you to. He's not forgotten the promises in your life. He has not forgotten about the provision you need. He has not forgotten what is going on in your life. He knows you. He hears you, and He wants you to know that He still has you in the palm of His hand. My friends who are at the front this morning, God, would you touch their life right now? Would you touch them right now? Would they experience your presence in this place? Would they would they feel your arm that your your arm surrounding them this morning? Would they sense your voice? Would they hear your voice speaking to them today, encouraging them today? God, would they be, be, be comforted knowing that you are a God who loves, that you are a God who provides, that you are a God who protects and cares, and you have best is yet to come for their life. Father, thank you that you saved them. Thank you that you provide for them. Would you move in an incredible way? I love you, Lord. And here's what I want to do. We're going to get ready to sing and worship and give him praise that he is worthy of. For the rest of you who are sitting in your seat my assumption is every single person in this place has a moment where God has come through where only God could have come through and today what I'd like for us to do is to set up some pillars in remembrance of him and find your way to this altar in just a few moments and begin to say God thank you for what you did Thank you for what you did. And begin to remember the moments that he provided for you and cared for you and lifted you up and helped you through your situation. Call Him and say, I remember once before. And so I know I'm still going to get through it because he's done it before, he'll do it again. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to come to the front and begin to worship. If you want to stay in your seat, you can. But, but there's just something so powerful coming out of our seats and approaching this, this altar that we have at the front and calling on the name of Jesus. And they're going to lead us and I'm going to over to your just a moment, but, but I want us to be able to come to this place as a family of believers saying, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. God, we need you to move again. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the people that are in this place. God, what you've done in the past, you've even greater in the future. God, what you've done in the past, you are still doing more right now as we speak. God, there are people all over this place who can look back on your goodness, look back on your grace, look back on your provision. And today, God, we step out and we say, thank you, Jesus, for your provision. Thank you, Jesus, for your protection. remember the goodness of God the favor of God the love of God the provision of God today we say God thank you for who you are and what you do and thank you that you never change even though our circumstances change God you never change we love you and we need you in Jesus name we pray amen if you're comfortable to get out of your seat and come to the front this morning would you do that as we worship the king of kings and lord of lords Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.